everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Comedians Exposed, the podcast where comedians get to talk about vulnerability. Today's guest is one of the co-creators of the Fifth Borough Comedy Festival. He's producer of Bareface Comedy Events. He's co-host of the podcast Donkey's Mouth. Please welcome to Comedians Exposed, the hilarious Nick Cara. Welcome, Nick. Hey, what's going on? How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm having a great time already. Oh, wonderful. That's so great. I like low expectations. That's the way to live through life, right? All I'm about is low expectations. <laughs> That's good. My kind of people, Nick. Well, I'm super glad, like I said, that you could be here to talk with me about comedy and vulnerability. Uh, things have been insane lately. I feel like with comedy, um, you know, of course, there was the Oscars and then recently the Chappelle slap. <laughs> Um, wow. I don't know. Has that uh, gotten into your head at all? That's people trying to get attention for celebrities. Plus, it's not unheard of for like a bar show comedian to like, or even a club comedian to get attacked on stage because they said something to somebody. You know, it's, it's, it's not unheard of, you know. I've had people walk up on me. I've never been hit, but I've had people like act like they were gonna. And I've seen other comics like definitely get hit. Oh no. Yeah. Happens. You say something because you know, we take risks. Sometimes you're gonna say something that's gonna make people upset. And um there are people who shouldn't go to comedy shows because they get upset. Yeah. If you're someone that gets upset at comedy shows, you it's not for you, I feel like. Right. Right. I think that's a good takeaway message. I think that should be kind of like a public service announcement, you know. Yeah, right. you don't, don't like make you unhappy or angry. Mm. Right. It's not for you. Yes. And it's it's unfortunate cuz everybody wants to say that they love comedy and they have the best sense of humor and everyone's awesome. <laughs> and then they hear a thing that may be a little uh, sensitive to the thing they care about and they go, oh, I have to kill this person because they are making fun of the thing that I like. So, but that's somebody who shouldn't be at a comedy show or unless just vet who you see. Every show has flyers. Okay, so this is good. I'm going to talk to you more about this. Vet who you see because there was a big hullabaloo at the John Mulaney show that Chappelle came up as a pop-up guest and... Uh You know, people were really reactive about that. You know, there was like just some in the news feed or whatever like that. But we're going to talk about that. But first, I want to get back to you. Can you do me a favor before um, plug your social media for everybody? Where can people find you on social media? Oh, uh, sure. Uh, So you can find me on um, Twitter at actually not bad. Um, the A is the A in actually, so it's C-T-U-A-L-L-Y underscore not underscore bad. And then, uh, which is way too complicated. I should probably change that. <laughs> but uh, it's a little joke for me. Um, and on Instagram, you can find me at Nick Cara. The I is a one because uh, I have a huge ego. And uh, I deleted Facebook the other day, so I don't have that. 
All right. Well, that's great. We're going to talk about why you deleted Facebook, but I think we want to talk more first and foremost. So the podcast is about comedy and vulnerability, you know, um, because like, you you know, we were just talking about, you got to take risks. So being willing to be a risk taker leaves you vulnerable. Yeah. I also should also be willing to accept the judgment that you get. You know, it is a two-way street. So, like, as a comic, don't be sensitive when someone doesn't like what you say. Because people aren't going to like some of the things you say. And as an audience member, don't be such a pussy. Okay, but here's the thing. Like, okay, there's a big difference between not liking what someone has to say and then taking it to a next level. You know, like, again, in terms of people being reactive. And I feel like that's, like, also, too, you have to think about how uncomfortable it makes you as a comedian to feel on, to be on stage and not get any laughs. Because that's also, I think, a very vulnerable place for comedians as well, is to be like, okay, I'm going to get up here. The whole point of doing comedy is to essentially elicit laughter. So then to stand up there and elicit no laughter, you know, that also is kind of potentially uncomfortable. What about for you? How do you feel? Yeah, bombing sucks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you try to not do it as much as possible. But, um, I mean, do what you think is funny, you know, or be a people pleaser, entertainer type. Like, whatever it is that you think you need to do to get ahead or feel better about your set. If you want to tell a bunch of hokey fucking 70s my wife jokes, and you know if you go to a New Jersey catering hall and you're going to get a bunch of laughs doing jokes like uh, Red Fox did 500 years ago. Then do that. I don't, I think less of you. So who are we, but then let's, well, that's what we're here. We want to hear who you are. You know what I mean? So defining you. So what about for yourself? How much of you are a people pleaser in comedy? How much of your jokes are for yourself? Like, just like your Twitter handle, you said that's a little joke for yourself. So how much of your comedy is for yourself? And how much of it do you think is being people pleasing? Um, I I try and find a happy in the middle of the two. It's like, I'll try and take a subject, um, that I like, and I want to make funny, even if it's a little risky or dark and I'll try and figure out the wording for people to accept it. Like right now I'm working on a bit about Christopher Columbus and he got fired from Italy because he kept raping everybody. Mm-hmm. and it's hit or miss sometimes there's like rooms where they go wow we love that and then there's rooms where they're like hey we like Columbus and then there's rooms that are like hey you said a word I didn't like yeah so you have to find that in the middle and some there's also just accepting like not everyone's gonna like it I think it's funny and uh, lots of people think it's funny but there's some people that don't think it's funny I think that's it's fine. You know, there's other jokes in the act that I also enjoy doing, like talking about uh, being from Florida and uh, maybe some like date stories and things like that, that are also fine. You'll also enjoy those. So if you don't like my Columbus bit, don't worry. There's a thing about how I'm a white trash kid from Florida. That's yeah. coming right up, you know. <laughs> so what got you into comedy? Um, I always loved it. I never 
uh, thought of it as an option. Again, living in, in Florida, you don't go very many places unless you live in like a city area. But I didn't. I kind of lived on the outskirts of cities and no car or anything like that. And then buses are terrible over there. So you don't know anything. Uh, and then I moved to New York uh, halfway through high school. Didn't know people. And I, you know, had seen an ad or something for uh, for comedy clubs. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll go to a comedy club and just see what that's like. And I watched a show and I loved it. And I was like, oh, okay, I think I could do this. You know, because um, there was a few really good comps. I don't remember their names. They were like on like where we're at now. But uh, and then there was one guy at the end who uh, lost his mind on stage and it was awesome. He just there was uh, these two ladies and they were heckling basically the whole show. Okay. And uh, eventually, like the manager or the waiter, someone came over to them and told them, like, hey, guys, keep it down. Like, you're distracting the comedians. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, okay, fine, no problem. And uh, the last comic goes up, and this guy is just, he's just bombing. And he just looks over at these two ladies and starts screaming at them to shut the fuck up. <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, this is the one time we weren't talking. And it's true. They weren't, at that moment, they weren't uh, being distracting. Mm -hmm. So, and this guy just lost his mind because he was just this older dude who was just bombing and just started screaming and he left the stage and then the host came up and tried to defuse the awkwardness of it. Oh. And that was over. And I thought, that's hilarious. Okay, so, but it was a hilarious in the sense of not, that was not in his intention. He was not intentionally going up and wanting to use his time to respond to these women and lose a shit. You know, you found it hilarious. So no, what was, what, why was that hilarious then? What about that specifically struck your funny bone? Well, the whole show was great up until that point. Okay, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So why at this moment, like, what about that illicit humor for you? Oh, just a guy losing his mind. So was... seeing people lose their minds. What else is funny for you? What are things that are make you really <laughs> laugh? <laughs> uh, I, things that make me really laugh are usually kind of dark. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of comics are like that, where it's the what you actually enjoy or like what makes you actually laugh is not something that'll make a normal person laugh. I think too, uh, well, I mean, humor itself, this is where I have such a hard time with everything that kind of, that happens around, any kind of discord that happens around what people should or should not joke about. Because the whole point of humor is to create comfort where things are uncomfortable, right? You know, you think about going back to like survival and humans, like being cavemen, right? And being like walking was like, oh, fuck, what's that noise? Is that a tiger? Is it going to get, you know what I mean? You constantly probably had to crack each other jokes to keep fucking surviving. So it's like we use humor as this like necessary survival mechanism. Okay. So then it's like you're going now into a space where you're like, hey, I'm going to talk about things and it's 
we as comics, you know, we might joke about dark stuff. But maybe do you think it's because we just kind of are willing to kind of be around people who are talking about all of this? It just kind of wears us down. Or do you think we're naturally born with that dark sense of humor? Um, I think a lot of people are probably, uh, well, I think it's it's a little bit of uh, environment. Because, you know, when you start out, you're just going to open mics and bars and there's always, you know, that older dude who's still doing it. And he's just talking about how uh, certain groups of people are this and other groups of people are that and people aren't really enjoying it. And like that, you, you go, like, I don't want to do that. I don't agree with that. But then you'll see somebody as you keep going uh, do something kind of dark like um or like just people that you enjoyed watching like a carlin or a uh, sarah silverman would be very dark and dirty and things like that. you'd you'd watch some of that and you go like oh i that you can be funny with that you know just because you know your grandmother may not like it doesn't mean it's not funny actually if your grandmother doesn't like it it's probably funny <laughs> you know yeah i guess also too depends on who your grandma is you know yeah yeah <laughs> Some grandmas I mean, are pretty damn dirty, right? Haven't you watched TikTok? The grandmas of TikTok. What? No, I haven't watched it. I gave up on TikTok. I'm still on it, but I, I just don't. Oh, it's yeah, it's a black hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll spend like a good couple hours just going through it. And that was the problem. It worries about my complexity to do deep thinking because things are so short and so gratifying and it's like the brain we're conditioning ourselves to be like more 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 so it's like what am, what when I'm gonna have to do the opposite and sit down and read something really heavy and lengthy like am I gonna be have the capacity to do it you know you have to think about like stamina and how it's like you got to work that shit right. out well the normal person doesn't have that kind of stamina anymore that's why nobody puts out hour-long comedy specials anymore right. You know, like if Netflix gives one, you'll do it. Or like if someone goes to your show, you'll do it. Right. But everyone puts out, here, here's a five minute clip. If that five minutes is even long at this point. Right. Who's that guy? Um, Andrew is his first name. Schultz. Yeah, Schultz. Right. That's what he did. He's the king of that. He's the yeah. guy who started that and everyone's copying that now. Yeah. It's weird though, because I feel like, especially thinking about you know, because there's so many things of what you can get out of comedy, right? Like you can get comedy again, just the laughter alone, like that's one reward, but there's so many other outcomes that could come. One thing I want to think about is like the potential of doing an hour really lends itself to creating a message or a story or something of great depth, you know? So how do you think that affects you? Because if you're saying like, again, people don't have the stamina for, you know, a one hour special, does that impact how you approach or what you get out of comedy? No, I still do what I enjoy. Because if I enjoy it, that means there's other people that enjoy it. Yeah. You know, it's not more, it's not like that hard-headed thing of like, I'm going to joke about race and religion and, and men versus women and blah, 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 because I like that it offends people. Like, I'm not doing that thing. Uh, we all know those guys. Um, it's more of, well... I'm going to create a piece on something and you know, your comedy act is usually going to be a collection of different pieces on different subjects. Mostly it's going to be different versions of yourself or parts of yourself or stories about yourself. 
and then maybe some other concepts. Um, and I, I like having uh, the ability to go into something that's maybe kind of dark or maybe like talking about like growing up with just like a single mother or something like that. And um, adding in punchlines just to lighten it. But there's still something heavy and relatable in there. But that, I think that's fine. And I think when you're in front of people, that's okay. You can still um, do those kinds of performances for now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to end up, you know, having to compete with Bill Burr also doing a five minute set because nobody in the world can sit through 10 minutes, you know? Well, I mean, the metaverse, how that's going to really change. I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything about it. It's to me, that was the same as like zoom comedy. I didn't like it. I tried it. And I was like, this isn't, it, it doesn't feel okay. You know, for some people, they did very well in zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, and they made entire names and careers out of it. I tried it. I hated it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my act didn't seem to translate well mm-hmm. over it. So that I was like, all right, bye. I'm old school. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah I, I assume metaverse comedy would be this uh, a similar thing, but with like a fake character. It's like like. That's even even kind of interesting. It's like you make kind of a cartoon of yourself, right? And but it doesn't even have to be yourself. It look like whatever it looks like, right, whatever right, you right. Exactly. So if you wanted to suddenly become, you know, a prop comic or something, voila, you got it. In the metaverse, you could be that that person. That's true. Yeah, I could give myself an afro. Yeah. But then does that character get famous, and then it's just your words? Or well, people essentially, it's your material. Like, you know what I mean? That's, it's your, your ideas that are being, uh, but then also too, like, again, thinking about a slippery slope of like, oh, okay, well, if you're doing these characters and creating these characters, like, think about some of the difficulties that exist now with doing comedy and the things that people kind of throw out there, like, to keep people reined in, like, you can't joke about that, or you shouldn't joke about that, or you know, well, we all know how Facebook works. You know, they like to limit what people are allowed to say. So that already cuts out many comedians, aside from famous people. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't know, like, because so much of it is drawing off of the crowd. So, like, if you're watching it, are you watching it through the eyes of your character? Yeah, I think so. And I think it'd be like, it'd be like real, it's reality, but it's all cartoon reality. So it's like, it's, have you ever worn VR goggles before? I've done it, but I, I only do like one thing with it. You know, like I'll like, I'll, I'll look up the video of the flying squirrel suit <laughs> and I'll just fly. Like, or that's what I'll enjoy or like a bird or something. So I, I like easy, fun stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it'd be like, it's basically like, you know, like, you put the goggles on and there'll be people there, but they'll be just like cartoon people, but it still would be a level of reality, you know? It's weird. I remember, I don't know, I have a friend has a VR set and I remember I did this like bank robbery and it was like so fucking real and creepy and it was like, oh God. Then you get like, maybe. Like, how do you, that's, even that's like a game. So everything is scripted and and the animations are already done. Right. It's something like a comedy show. 
you're going to see reactions, I guess. Yeah, because there's like a room. It's like a virtual room, just like how there was like chat rooms that you could type in. It's like now people can just be invited like to this Zoom room. So instead of us looking at each other, we're wearing goggles and you're a cartoon. Yeah, but how do the how does the laughs work? I hear you. It's like the same way. Like if I were like, hey, Nick, I told you a joke and you laugh, I would hear it. It's just like we're talking to each other right now. No, I don't don't think so. I don't think it would work like that. Of course it would work like that. (laughs) No, it's that. I mean, in theory, yeah, but it never really does that. I don't know. I feel like that could be potentially where we're headed. Because especially, I don't don't know. Yeah, it's there's a it it is nice to be in a room when things are working and people are enjoying it. That energy is pretty significant. It's a great reward of doing comedy. That's the point of it. Yeah, to me at least, it needs to be live. Yeah, is that the point of doing comedy for you? Of what? Uh, making people laugh and drawing that's getting that that heroin high of killing. Yeah, that's the okay. whole point of it. <laughs> no, because you could also be doing it for other reasons. You know, some people. Well, then you're doing it wrong. You're doing a one person show. <laughs> hmm. You're not doing comedy then. It's it is selfish to to be a funny person, and then like that that first huge kill you get makes it it it's like heroin like you just go oh wow okay i want to try and do that all the time cuz nothing felt better you know and then there's also like the uh i do it for people like me and whatever situation i'm in and they they feel like somebody's speaking up for them bullshit <laughs> it's it's, just, it's it's such a lie you're just supposed to say it because everyone's supposed to wants to be a celebrity and everyone wants to sound like they're a Hollywood actor. Like a Hollywood actor acts because they love uh, people. They don't love acting and money. They love, <laughs> you know, they love who's watching it and they love speaking for people. It's, it, I don't think anyone actually does that. And if you do, fine, but man, <laughs> I like making people happy. Yeah. But, I don't think the 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 uh I want to make sure these people are spoken for. I'm like, nah. I think you want to make sure you're spoken for, and if yeah. it happens to help other people, fine. Well, what about that reason alone? Like, isn't that enough of a reason just to do comedy? Is to be like, I want you to fucking hear my mouth. I don't care if you're gonna laugh, but I'm gonna yeah, fucking well, talk. That, that it's very selfish, but that's an absolutely wonderful. That's more than enough reason to do it. It's the same reason someone would get into fucking insurance sales you know no one gets into something like that because they want to help people they do it because they're like oh, i can make a bunch of money and enjoy my life and i guess maybe i can help some people it's it's like a, it's an afterthought you that, think that's, so? I you think think that's so. the initial you think mother Teresa would have jumped into stand-up comedy if she wanted people to hear what she had to say, but people did listen to Mother Teresa. You know, there's a whole bunch of quotes that everybody uses. Oh, quote Mother Teresa, right? When you Google, you got to write a paper in college. Google, oh, let me start my paper with a Mother Teresa quote. So yeah, she but needs no, to do comedy. No, she was just, she spoke and people listened because she was a really nice person. I'm not saying those people don't exist, that like they do something because they want to help people. I'm just saying those people aren't stand-up comedians. <laughs> so, but that's that's my question. And so somebody who gets into comedy because they want to be heard, 
is not a stand-up comedian? No, no, no. When I say um, I, you want to be heard, we all want to be heard. No, but what if, that, if that's their end game above laughter, right? Like say like, okay, you got to choose. Be like, okay. It's almost like the Machiavelli, right? Is it better to be loved or feared? So think about it in the terms of, do you want to be heard or do you want the crowd to love you? I mean, there's a happy in the middle of it, I'm sure. Like, you know, you have like someone like Chappelle who will drop truth bombs. Someone like Carlin or Brian. Comedy will always have those truths. That's how you get the big laughs. And that's how you get the standing ovations and shit like that is you, there's truth in it. You know, like you said something that I went, oh, I think that. And I just either you're not allowed to put it into words or I just never figured out how to put it into words. And now here's a person taking this thing uh, that we all know and we all think and turning it into humor. So I think that's still on there. And maybe you'll do that. You're not going to do that because it's going to benefit other people. You'll do it because you want to be heard and you want to get, you want to get the laughs. Well, I think that's because especially you said yourself, oh, we all do that and we all think that, but I think that's kind of where we're at with the complexities. And I think that's kind of, especially the pushback with Chappelle, you know, and the jokes that he's making, you know what I mean? Because like Pete, there's an audience out there saying that we don't all think this way or we don't all laugh this way. Um, sure. So what do you think about Chappelle? And the whole, you know, his kind of doubling down on continuing to make jokes about a group of, you know, a select group of people who have, you know, expressed that, you know, please stop or don't continue to do this. What's your take? You know, why, why do you, why should you get special treatment? I think that's what he's saying. I talk about white people. I talk about gay people. I talk about black people. I talk about Asian people. He's got an Asian wife. He's got gay friends. He's got comedian friends. He's a black guy. Okay. So if I, and he, you know, that what that big trans bit that he did in his last special was about his friend that was bullied on the internet mm -hmm. and killed herself. It's not an anti-trans. Maybe he takes a couple jabs that are very generalized. But so what? Yeah, I don't think people should get special treatment because of what they do in their lives. If you want to be included in everything and you want the equality and everything, blah, 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 blah. Then that also comes with, okay, then we're also going to like take a jab at you every once in a while. But mm -hmm. it's not meant uh, maliciously. Okay. But if you take it that way, shut up. <laughs> then don't come to comedy shows. And look, there's plenty of trans comics who probably don't hate Chappelle. You know, that woman that was friends with him that killed herself was one of them. Mm -hmm. so it only stands to reason that there's more of them. But it's very popular to go, well, fuck that guy because he didn't apologize and concede to our uh, Twitter screaming and rant raving mm -hmm. bullshit, honestly. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's a heavy disagree. Uh, that, that's fine. No, I mean, I, of course, it's always about conversation is having, you know, not necessarily disagreements, but just thinking alternative perspectives, because again, it, there's so much truth in what you're saying, you know, um, in terms of like, okay, everybody, you know, especially because you and I, you know, we do, we do engage in roast battles. So we are both willing to put ourselves first as the butt of jokes. 
right? Nope. And it's like, we, I think that kind of like, that's kind of like, oh, what comedy should be, everybody should be willing to be the butt of the joke. I think my thoughts then go to though, the, the, the idea of being like, how often is one group gonna be the butt of a joke? Like, particularly like when you're looking at levels of vulnerability. Like, and I think that's the ultimate point of people who are trans, like they are one of the most vulnerable populations in our society. So it's like, how often are they gonna always be the butt of a joke? And then, you know, the second thing then too, thinking about if everyone should be able to joke equally, hypothetically, hear me out on this scenario. Okay. I'm a white, I'm a white middle-aged lady, okay? What? I know. Nobody, no one wants to hear my opinions, right? On certain subjects. So say hypothetically, I was on stage and I got attacked. And after I got attacked, I joked it was a black man, okay? What would the potential outcome be? You know what I'm, and what I'm doing is trying to make a point of juxtaposition. Like, is like, is there really true equality in terms of who can joke about what and in terms of like what are we doing then with our jokes it's like are we punching down at vulnerable groups because like in, you know I'm not supposed to and I'm not going to make jokes about like racist black people that's why I'm just trying to or like being racist towards black people right but if I were to say that joke that would definitely translate you know what I'm saying I don't know if my point is clear. Don't do it do what you think is funny you know, and even if, if you're going into it thinking like, well, I'm going to convince all these people not to like these other people, then you are uh, <laughs> you're trying to start a cult. You're not a comic. You know, like it's, it's comedy is so wide and open. So sometimes, yeah, you're going to have to punch down. There isn't a rule book. It's just um, figure out how to be entertaining and while being yourself. So if yeah. you realize crowds aren't really in to a white person joking about black people very often right then just stop doing it unless you don't care then i guess find an audience that's for that you know it's nick DiPaolo and tig Notaro have very different audiences they're both comedians yeah. right 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 but again it's then it's kind of like again like because we're talking broadly in comedy and like i said i was just trying to kind of like create the point mm -hmm. you know thinking about like because again i do believe dave Chappelle is a good joke writer so it's like that's why i'm like curious i'm like is he choosing low-hanging fruit you know um a little bit of that because like in that last special there were some jokes in there where i'm like that's not that good he's just yeah. dave chappelle right and you know also too like then it brings up the question of like are you willing to apologize as a comedian like some comedians are and so, see like you're i guess not like i absolutely am like i'm Especially because it's like, again, I, my whole thing is I'm not going into comedy to offend people. So if someone comes up to me and says something like, hey, you hurt my feelings, I don't have a problem saying I'm sorry. That doesn't mean I might stop doing the joke or anything like that. But, you know, I think that's a personal choice, you know? Well, that's something that we would agree on then. If you come up to me or you go, hey, that really bothered me, I go, well, I'm sorry that that bothered you. Yeah. But, but I am not sorry that a whole other room the, the rest of the room enjoyed it you know i'm not uh, sorry well that's where the whole other room and that's i think the crux with the Chappelle thing because if we went back again 50 years ago 
looking at what the whole room would be laughing at. It would, it, or a hundred years ago, like you, you know what I mean? Like you think about our history, right? The things that we laughed about then, we don't laugh about now. So I think that's why, again, I think with Chappelle, like for me, like, again, that's where we're in, like, again, disagreement, I think, because some of the jokes were low hanging fruit. And I think then it's like, if you're truly a really gifted comedian, which again, he has demonstrated, he is a prolific, outstanding joke writer. I, you know, punch up, you know, punch at the people that are so fucking uncomfortable about, you know what I mean, the changes that are occurring because it's the same situation essentially as what would have happened a hundred years ago with civil rights, you know? He has no problem joking about like a Karen or just white people in general or rich people or like if you watch his stuff, like he has no problem going after that. Yeah. As well as, and it's as well as taking a joke about uh, trans people or yeah. gay black people or whatever it is he, he, the subject is. Right. You harp on the one thing because people on Twitter like to go, like to retweet it and go, he hurt my feelings, therefore he's Hitler. Yes. Which was also kind of ironic at the John Mulaney thing. There was somebody who wrote about how like an entire audience of people were like laughing and you're the only person, you know what I mean? And it's like, okay, what do you do then? How do we, you know, how do you deal with don't go to comedy shows. If you're you know? the person that gets upset and if you look around and the whole room is laughing, you're not at a rally, you know. Yeah. You're not undercover at a rally. Um, you're you're the odd one out. You don't enjoy it. Don't go to this. Yeah. Now maybe maybe you do like comedy, but maybe you like a very specific iota of comedy where no one's feelings ever get hurt and and uh, nothing bad ever happens. Right. Um, which um, means you don't like funny things, but that's fine. <laughs> Go I to think, that. I think that's the hard part. It's like comedy is so, uh, it's so complicated. Like it's such a word, the broad word for things that are literally like so specific to you. And like, you know, let's talk more about you. Cause you said you have a dark sense of humor. I think I have a dark sense of humor, you know, but what does that mean? Especially cause looking at like, we are first off, obviously we identify as different genders we're different generations. So it's like, what's dark? Well, you said comedy is uh, complex. I don't think it is. Like, I don't think it's easy. Yeah. Very hard to be a great comedian. But it's also, it's very broad, but that doesn't make it complex. It, the, the, the intent is simple until you start bringing in like, you know, other like like a Tignatar who wants to speak on behalf of people and have a more serious vibe about it. But at the end of the day, she still is a comedian. Like there are punchlines, not as many as maybe uh, uh, Kevin Hart will have. And the, the subject matter for her is way heavier than someone like Kevin Hart. But uh, it, that doesn't mean it, it's a complex thing. It's what's complex is figuring out how to do it, but your intent and what you're trying to do with it is very simple. It's, I want to go there and I want to entertain people. Maybe I'll have them, uh, uh, think prolifically while also laughing. Maybe if you want to do that, or if you go, I just want to tell a bunch of jokes and people enjoy it. And then they go home, they tell my jokes to other people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's depending on what your intentions are with it. That's fine. Yeah. I think most comedians are, um, they have pure intentions with what they're doing. Mm 
Yeah. And then, you know, we all know the people who like to start fights or like will offend because they think they're supposed to, or like, I want to, I want to make the left cry. And I'm like, okay, well, how do you make them laugh <laughs> and call it a day? Yeah. You know, like I don't, I go, I used to go into like Brooklyn or like a very like liberal place. And first I'd get the, well, like I'm talking about when I'm like 22 and like, and they're like, Oh, 22 year old white guy. I don't like him already. And then I have to, tell my jokes about you know uh my mom taking uh pills and uh i know a guy that did heroin or whatever and uh and then they go oh we don't like you because you don't apologize for being a white guy and but that's also part of a pendulum okay you know because you had that for a second and then it kind of started etching back and then also as, as you get better at comedy you start running into shit like that uh-huh. or you stop running into shit like that. You know, like every once in a while I'll do, I'll go into a room where I'm very much so the odd man out. And, you know, and I, you know, spoken to plenty of uh, women or black comics or gay comics and they say the same thing, like where they will go into a room and they'll see who's there and they'll be like, Oh, okay. I got Let's see how this goes. But these people may not like me just because of what I do. And if you're a good comic, you figure out how to make it work anyway. And you you realize how people are, for the most part, more forgiving. We're also in this uh, Jersey City, New York City area where there's a little bit of that protective bubble of what you can and can't say. Mm -hmm. But whenever I ventured out of that, if I go to Ohio, Florida, even LA, um, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And the range of what people are willing to hear you talk about is so much wider. Out out there? Yeah. On the in the outside world, outside of our little area where everyone uh, you know, votes blue all the time and oh, everyone- okay. So you think it's wider that people are more accepting. So what are some of the things, because that was the original question. What are some of the dark things you talk about or joke about? Sure. I'll start off. Well, I do like the the Columbus thing, but I make it very silly. Like I do a silly Italian accent and I go, Christopher, you can't rape, stop raping. Then it makes it silly. And depending on who you are. um, Is that cultural appropriation, Kara? I don't care. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, like, uh, it's, it's Italy, so it's white people. So uh, no, right? Our Italians are white, right? Depending on who you talk to. Uh, are they their own thing? Because then I'll just start claiming that. But um, um, no, I think the there's that. Some other things I'll joke about is just growing up with a single mom in Florida and growing yeah. up next to a meth head named Two Tooth Jim. Mm-hmm. get like that or like a crazy date i went on like i don't go that dark honestly yeah okay but i enjoy watching dark humor yes but you won't do it yourself like i just do what i think is funny if i happen to write something that's very dark and i think it's funny i'll do it and if it's if it works and i really enjoy doing it and people enjoy it then i'll keep doing it yeah i don't have anything that's super heavy oh okay and at like the moment. Uh, at the moment yeah so then what do you, how do you write? What's your writing process like? I just have the idea and I talk it out on stage as much as I can. 
So what strikes the idea? What sparks the idea? Where does it come from? Anything. Anything, anything could, like a watch interacting on the street. I could be reading something or watching something on TV and I notice something and it just resonates and then I'll talk about that. Yeah. And I'll see if it if it's funny. You know, like right now I'm working on something this is pretty clean too, about um you know, you, you ever watch those late night commercials with the coins where it's like, if you give us $30, we'll send you this minted World War II coin. Okay. They're like infomercials kind of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Call now and you'll also get a reading light with your coin or whatever. And I was just thinking like, who is this for? <sighs> <laughs> who, who, who wants a ruined quarter? A lot of people who would that's there's a huge that's why I think the complexity of comedy lies because there's a huge group of people who live for those quarters and trying to do when they show up at comedy shows that you know like oh my lord all right if I do that at a comedy show and you're upset that I made fun of ruined quarters you spent thirty dollars on zero dollars <laughs> It's a collector's item, they care. It's a collector's item. They could put it on their shelves <laughs> by their hummels. I don't respect it. And it's Aww. a it's a dumb hobby. Well, like they'll, they'll give you like one of every present. So what do we have? 46 presents right now? You'll get 46 ruined quarters. And you'll pay $50 for it. It'll be something you could give to your uh children and their they children. Don't want it. <laughs> But I think that again talks about, I think that speaks to again, just like, because I feel like that is a certain demographic of people. And again, I think that's the thing. Like, we're, you know, it's a small demographic that it's like, it's not a problem though. Huh? I mean, that's such a small demographic and it's such a specific thing where it's like, nobody's getting, nobody's gonna like go on Twitter about uh, their memorial quarters. I don't think they're a Twitter crowd. I don't think those are, I don't think those are people who probably, you know, still have cable TV and a remote and, you know. Animals. I call those people animals. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) They're just different, man. They're different people. And that's the thing with comedy. It's like, you never know who's going to be in that audience. You know, and so much of comedy, I feel like so much of our senses of humor are conditioned in us. Um, sure. What you like is what you like, you know, like. But I'm why not- is it what you like? That's my question. What you like is what you like. Why is it what you like? Just like there's poor kids who love, you know, jokes about uh, race and religion and or just roasting and things like that. There's rich kids that also like it. It's what you like is what you like. You know, I don't real. I really don't think where you come from is that reliant, as much as we like to say it is on what you enjoy. Like, there's cultural things, sure. There may be like music and food and art and things like that that your environment um, made you enjoy. Yeah. But that's in in comedy. There's so much comedy. There's so many different comedy. Where it all comes together. Where you go to a lineup in New York City. And you'll see 15 way different people. Or you'll see, you know, 15 of all of the same kind of people, depending on what you happen to walk into. Yeah. But um, what was my point? Oh, uh, what you like is what you like. You know, if you 
you, you could very easily go that Seinfeld route of like, all right, well, we're just going to tell observational jokes. People aren't really going to get offended, but they're going to have a good time. Yeah. And we're not going to talk about much of anything heavy. And that was probably a little bit of a response to the time because yeah. like, his time was, you know, prior and um, Kinnison and guys like Carlin, guys who would all say the craziest shit you've ever heard, you know, uh, Bill Hicks. And the response to that was, how do I stand out? Okay, I'm just going to be pretty light. And he became the biggest comedian in the world. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a whole influx of people doing that. And then, the like, the 90s comes around, or mid-90s, whatever. Mm-hmm. And someone like, uh, I'll even go in the early 2000s, someone like, um, like Chappelle or Chris Rock comes around. And he'll go, oh, good. We like to hear about the truth about things or, like, people's opinions on big issues and things like that. Yeah. You know, one of Chris Rock's most, one of my favorites is the, making bullets expensive bit oh yeah that's a very clever clever bit i love that joke yes. the, the whole thing but um that's very different than uh jerry seinfeld well, it's very provocative to talk about gun control and a lot of comedians will stay away from political and social issues you know like it kind of sounds like that. you know huh can do that yeah i think right now we're in a place what about you though do you do that I don't. I tend not to because I'm not very interested in it. Ah, like I've I've dipped my toe into commentary on things, but what I the feedback that I got was mostly um, this is a young guy and it's like white dude in his twenties who thinks he's being edgy, and to be honest, that's probably not that far off. Yeah. Even if I had my own opinion that I formulated by looking into it mm-hmm. nobody wants to hear it from me i need i need some damage in my face before i can <laughs> go into that you know a little bit of a gruffer voice yeah uh that depends you know but for Wait the most part you need those, is that fair no it's not fair but it's also not fair that you know you can't joke about all kinds of people so then how is there then because again i you know what I mean? Like, so you can't joke about all kinds of people, but can you joke about all kinds of people? So which is it? You can or you can't? That's it. It's. What about you, Nick? Because that's all I got is you. What will you do? Will you joke about all kinds of people? And usually what I'll do is in crowd work, I will. Like if uh, like I, I did this show a couple of weeks ago uh, where I'm the only white dude on the show. Yes. All black room. And I'm immediately getting that tension of like, you better be good. And I just started just jumping into crowd work. And then someone was like, oh, you funny white boy. And I'm like, thanks, Tracy. And he's like, they, they get the laugh. And then they go, uh, and I go, you look like Tracy Morgan post truck. And then they're like, ah. but. I know out of context, like now it's not that funny, but in that moment, it was, it, it exploded. Mm-hmm. So I think it's fine. Or like, I've seen uh, a comic uh, in a room, like same kind of room where she was just getting talked at and she goes, I guess it's true about black people and, and being in theaters. And they laughed at it. 
<laughs> so it's like, okay, so there there aren't so many limitations. But I think this is my my theory. Yeah. Is, um uh woke uh, uh white people have try are they try to establish rules. So that's what white people like to do, Deanna. We like to turn things into structure and organization and they like to take the fun out of things. Yeah, yes. You know, like when we stole rock music, <laughs> we made it eventually it got really angry. Really angry, very angry. Really like angry. Like, a lot what? of screaming, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, like that's what we like to do. We like to take. We like. We like to turn turn rules into things. Okay. Well, let's stop because white people, we're all we're crazy. I'm sure we could get into a whole other podcast on what the fuck is up with us white people. But I want to go back to um, the idea of vulnerability because doing what you're doing and like even I'm sure retelling the story, like you said about the joke about Tracy Morgan, I'm sure there was maybe a little bit, I don't know, did you feel a little uncomfortable retelling that? Were you vulnerable? What is vulnerability for you? Um, I feel like I like because I've been doing stand up since I'm 17, like there's a, almost like a lack of vulnerability, but like or like a comfort in vulnerability there's um i feel like i've gotten to a place right now where i'm very honest on stage and less honest off stage but um so i would say like i'm willing to go to that place of vulnerability and uh as i'm trying to create more material i'm going deeper and deeper into that so what makes you vulnerable? What are things that make you vulnerable? All kinds of things. Just your own insecurities. Like you know? Well, I'm not the not the healthiest fella. But um, there's stuff like that. There's growing up without a dad in my life. There's uh, being a transplant from Florida. Growing up without a lot of money. Um, I dropped out of college. There's all kinds of things mm-hmm. that you know, are kind of embarrassing. And you can, you know, there's things where like times you can kind of just sit in it, you know, right now, the only time uh, I really even get embarrassed about stuff is if uh, like in a hookup and like you're just drinking a lot and you couldn't, you couldn't perform. Mm -hmm. That's the only time where I'm like, (laughs) ah, that's where your embarrassment and vulnerability threshold lies now. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And even then, like, hey, just give me a minute. I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that's gross, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's honest. It's honest, um, you know, right? And you're vulnerable. So we got to appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable and share that. <laughs> right. And I know we're not allowed to like them anymore, but that's the thing, like, uh, Louis C.K. has said on, uh, on, 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 uh, on, what's it called? On the record of uh when he was in like the 90s just doing his shitty hour he eventually threw it out and had to keep digging deeper mm-hmm. to create better material and it became one of the biggest comics on the planet then as you look at that you look at carlin he did the same shit richard Pryor was the king of that uh again i'm a big sarah silverman fan she's very very honest yeah so there's and then, you know, you don't have to do that. You could be like an Anthony Jeselnik type or like a, you know, or like, yeah, I don't really know much about you at all. from Yeah, but it's about what you want. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like what you yeah, want. How are you? So you like the honesty, it sounds like. 
You know, I, I enjoy yeah. honest comedy where there's more personal than it is about like political things. Mm-hmm. And if you can find a way to marry the two, great. Like, I don't think I could do what Chris Rock does. I'm not that interested in the world or people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, if there's something like that's uh, like, if I can find this big piece that's like something personal and I can bring outside things into it, great. But at the end of the day, entertainment is the goal. So if I write a silly joke about, you know, dogs on TikTok or whatever, then I'll do that joke. Yeah. You know? It's it's not like I don't I don't like when people pigeonhole themselves into like being one kind of thing. You can do very, very many, many, many things. Yeah, and but things can be simultaneously true. I always say this, that two things can be simultaneously true at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like Dave Chappelle's jokes could be very funny and they also could be very mean, you know what I mean? Because it's like just crafting the joke itself. Like, you know, you think about just the art of wordplay. Like if you're solely looking at the art of wordplay, you know what I mean? So again, there's like layers and layers and layers what do, you right. think, what do you think should be the takeaway then from all this stuff that we kind of like talk about with comedy? What do you think uh, you as a comedian want people taking away from this about what comedy is or should be or what comics go through? Or I think a comedian's intentions are 9.999999 out of 10 times pure. Uh, they just want to entertain you and for them they want to feel that rush of doing well and having people love them because we're all psychopaths that need people to love us Um, but if you're someone that gets offended by certain subject matter then vet who you watch look at the flyer if you're going to go to a show find the flyer watch some clips and if you go, okay, I can do this, go. If you're someone that doesn't really get offended by much, then just go to a comedy show. But if you see something from somebody where you're like, oh, I didn't like that, then maybe don't show up or suck it up. Yeah. Like, you know, like I've, I've noticed audiences for the most part are forgiving enough. Or like if you don't like one joke, it's okay because I have a very different joke coming up. So I'll just get through this and you'll not have fun. And then you'll have fun. Yeah. But other than that, it's just, you know, yeah. stop being a little bitch about it. <laughs> Your feelings aren't that important. I think that's a great takeaway. Feeling, we are not our feelings. Yeah. You know? It's just like People got to get over themselves a little right. bit. Just let them float in and float out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Nick, I really appreciate you taking time to talk with me and share and be candid. Um, do me a favor, tell everybody, again, your social media plugs, and what about any upcoming shows or any things you want to share yeah. out? Um, we'll follow Bareface Comedy on, on Instagram. You'll see all the shows there. Mostly going to be at uh, Young Ethel's in Brooklyn at this point, um, condensing it down because it was hard to run five shows at once, like five venues at once. I was having a real hard time with it but um uh yeah follow me on nick cara uh with uh, the i is a one on uh instagram and you can go to twitter i don't really use it that often 
and find me on YouTube. That's that's the biggest one. Go there. Yeah. All right. Wonderful. Well, again, I want to thank you again for taking your time talking with me today. Guys, this is Comedians Exposed, the podcast where comedians talk about vulnerability and try to make people laugh and why we're crazy for it. So I really thank you for, again, sharing and being willing to be vulnerable, Nick. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. And uh, and and I loved uh, any tension that there was. <laughs> it's good. It's important. I think that I don't I think that, you know, I want the takeaway to be is like people, you shouldn't be uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. It's important. That's where growth happens. So it's like, well, right. you know, having disagreements or having tension. It's like, OK, mm-hmm. you know, like we're going to disagree and. You know, I, like I said, come up and talk to me about it. Engage with me, you know, so I can understand because there's no such thing as knowing too much. Yeah, actually on my end, uh, don't come up and talk to me about it if you didn't have fun. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to talk, but uh, um, yeah. Oh, well, thanks again, Nick. All right. Thank you very much. This was a lot of fun. Follow Deanna.